0: This is day 27 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be reading Leviticus chapters 15 through 18 and Psalm 27. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that we are loved by you, that you value us in your creation. And Lord, so often we don't think about it like that. So often we think we're so worthless. Sometimes we think we're better than we are. But ultimately, Lord, You are the one that we need to focus our eyes on, not ourselves. You are the one that deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the reverence. And Lord, help us to be better. We know, Lord, that we don't give you 100%, but we should. And show us, Lord, how to do that. And give us the heart attitude and soften us to your will. I ask, Lord, that you would bless the reading of your word today and that we may apply it to our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord also spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. It is his uncleanness whether his body allows its discharge to flow, or whether his body obstructs its discharge. Every bed on which the person with the discharge lies becomes unclean, and everything on which he sits becomes unclean. Anyone, moreover, who touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever sits on the thing on which the man with the discharge has been sitting shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Also, Whoever touches the person with the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Or if the man with the discharge spits on one who is clean, he too shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Every saddle on which the person with the discharge rides becomes unclean. Whoever then touches any of the things which were under him, shall be unclean until evening, and he who carries them shall wash his clothes, and bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. Likewise, whomever the one with the discharge touches, without having rinsed his hands in water, shall wash his clothes, and bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. However, an earthenware vessel, which the person with the discharge touches, shall be broken and every wooden vessel shall be rinsed in water. Now when the man with a discharge becomes cleansed from his discharge, then he shall count off for himself seven days for his cleansing. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water, and will become clean. Then on the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, and come before the Lord to the doorway of the tent of meeting and give them to the priest and the priest shall offer them one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering so the priest shall make atonement on his behalf before the lord because of his discharge now if the man has a seminal emission he shall bathe all his body in water and be unclean until evening as for any garment or any leather on which there is seminal emission, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. If a man lies with a woman so that there is a seminal emission, they shall both bathe in water and be unclean until evening. When a woman has a discharge, if her discharge in her body is blood, she shall continue in her menstrual impurity for seven days, and whoever touches her, shall be unclean until evening. Everything also on which she lies during her menstrual impurity shall be unclean, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches anything on which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whether it be on the bed, or on the thing on which she is sitting, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. If a man actually lies with her, so that her menstrual impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. Now if a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity. She is unclean. Any bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her like her bed at menstruation, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean, like her uncleanness at that time. Likewise, whoever touches them shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes, and bathe in water, and be unclean until evening. When she becomes clean from her discharge, she shall count off for herself seven days, and afterward she is clean. Then on the eighth day she shall take for herself two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, and bring them in to the priest, to the doorway of the tent of meeting. The priest shall offer the one for a sin offering, and the other for for a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before the Lord, because of her impure discharge. Thus you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness, so that they will not die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for the one with a discharge, and for the man who has a seminal emission, so that he is unclean by it, and for the woman who is ill because of menstrual impurity, and for the one who has a discharge, whether a male or a female, or a man who lies with an unclean woman. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place Inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and the linen undergarments shall be next to his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and attired with a linen turban. These are holy garments. Then he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household. He shall take the two young goats and present them before the Lord. At the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell, and make it a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord, to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his household. He shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a firepan full of coals of fire from upon the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense, and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the Ark of the Testimony, otherwise he will die. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. Also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering which is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and in front of the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the impurities of the sons of Israel, and because of their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And thus he shall do for the tent of meeting which abides with them in the midst of their impurities." When he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar on all sides. With his finger he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it seven times, and cleanse it, and from the impurities of the sons of Israel consecrate it. When he finishes atoning for the holy place, and the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel, and all their transgressions, in regard to all their sins, he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. He shall bathe his body with water in a holy place, and put on his clothes, and come forth and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for all the people. Then he shall offer up in smoke the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The one who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes, and bathe his body with water. Then afterward he shall come into the camp. But the bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be taken outside the camp, and they shall burn their hides, their flesh, and their refuse in the fire. Then the one who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. Then afterward, he shall come into the camp. This shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement. He shall thus put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. He shall also make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. Now you shall have this as a permanent statute, to make atonement for the sins of Israel, for all their sins, once every year. And just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so he did. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel, and say to them, This is what the Lord has commanded saying, Any man from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or who slaughters it outside the camp and has not brought it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guiltiness is to be reckoned to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. The reason is so that the sons of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they were sacrificing in the open field, that they may bring them in to the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting to the priest, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. The priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and offer up the fat in smoke as a soothing aroma to the Lord. They shall no longer sacrifice their sacrifices to the goat demons, with which they play the harlot. This shall be a permanent statute to them throughout their generations. Then you shall say to them, Any man from the house of Israel, or from the aliens who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice, and does not bring it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord? that person also shall be cut off from the people. And any man from the house of Israel, or from the aliens who sojourn among them, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, No person among you may eat blood, nor may any alien who sojourns among you eat blood. So when any man from the sons of Israel, or from the aliens who sojourn among them, in hunting catches a beast or a bird which may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. For as for the life of all flesh, its blood is identified with its life. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, You are not to eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. When any person eats an animal which dies or is torn by beasts, whether he is a native or an alien, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and remain unclean until evening. Then he will become clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his body, he shall bear his guilt. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt, where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes, to live in accord with them. I am the Lord your God. So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments, by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any blood relative of his to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, that is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You are not to uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether born at home or born outside, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for their nakedness is yours. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, born to your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is your father's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife it is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are blood relatives. It is lewdness. You shall not marry a woman in addition to her sister as a rival while she is alive to uncover her nakedness. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness during her menstrual impurity. You shall not have intercourse with your neighbor's wife, to be defiled with her. You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Also you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. For the land has become defiled, therefore I have brought its punishment upon it so the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been before you have done all these abominations, and the land has become defiled, so that the land will not spew you out, should you defile it as it has spewed out the nation which has come before you. For whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do so shall be cut off from among their people. Thus you are to keep my charge, that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you, so as to not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. psalm 27 a psalm of david the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the defense of my life whom shall i dread when evil doers came upon me to devour my flesh my adversaries and my enemies they stumbled and fell though a host encamp against me my heart will not fear though war arise against me In spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me, he will lift me up on a rock. And now... My head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Okay, so today's reading was a little bit more intense as it usually is, so I highly recommend using discretion for the rest of this podcast for any young children you may have around. If you don't want to hear any discussion about some of the stuff we read in Leviticus, please save that for another time or do it somewhere else so that they are not an earshot of this conversation. If you feel they are mature enough, by all means, it is God's Word and it is good for us to know. So, in chapter 15, there is a discussion about any sort of sin or methods that need to take place when a male or a female has a discharge of any fashion. Now, what it's talking about here, especially at the beginning of chapter 15, is talking about an unnatural discharge. It's talking about something that is a disease of some kind, or is not what normally comes out of a person's body to be clear. But the general area that it is referencing is where the sexual organs are, which seems to be pretty obvious. Now, in the middle of all these instructions, you'll see two different times where the male discharge is a natural discharge, and a female's discharge, usually when it comes to menstruation, is a natural discharge, and there's no sacrifice needed for those. Because those are natural. They are things that are supposed to come out of a human body. However, when it comes to a man, if he has any sort of emission in a way that is not in the bedroom, so to speak, then that is considered unclean in the sight of God. And everything that it touches is considered unclean as well. I know it's disgusting stuff, but they had to handle this kind of stuff back then. They didn't have doctors on site that had a medical textbook to reference. But not only that, but God places special attention to this area of the body because it honors him greatly, or it dishonors him greatly, depending on how they use it. Sex is a gift from God. It is supposed to be pleasurable. He designed it to be that way, and it is also to propagate the human race. However, There are standards that have to be upheld, some that we see here in this chapter, and some that we saw in chapter 18. But God put this in the Bible for not only the general people, but for the priests to differentiate between the different kinds of bodily fluids and discharges that could come out of a human body. Chapter 16 is completely dedicated to what is called the Day of Atonement. This is, by far, the greatest day in the Jewish calendar. Why? Because of what it was intended to do. The high priest was never allowed to go beyond the veil where the Ark of the Covenant was, except for this one day. God designed specific methods and procedures that the high priest had to do in order to fulfill this obligation, and if he didn't do it just right, then he would die because it required him just that one year to cross the veil to the mercy seat of God. And if he didn't do it right, then he was going to be struck dead. God refuses to let his holiness be tainted by us mortals, who are full of sin and full of evil. And so he requires certain things in order for his will to be done correctly. And in response for Aaron and for the ones who come after him, doing it correctly, then God is cleansing the sins of all the nation of Israel by the blood of this animal through the sacrifices of this sacrament. This is a permanent statute that's supposed to take place in Israel, but I'm sure we can all agree that this is pointing to the ultimate atonement. What Jesus did on the cross, where he sacrificed himself for all sin for all time. He was the perfect Lamb of God that was sacrificed on the permanent day of atonement. All the ones who believe in his name are cleansed from their sins forever and ever and ever. This was just a sneak preview of what God intended to do, and just in the same way that he used a scapegoat to put all the sins of Israel on and send it off into the wilderness, Jesus was our scapegoat. He was the sacrifice, but he was also our scapegoat. He took all the sins of the world upon himself, and those sins died with him. When he arose from the grave, all those sins were gone. They didn't come back with him. He returned in his glorified state, in which there is no corruption and there is no sin in that. Therefore, the sin that he took is permanent. And it is all of it, past, present, and future. What a glorious example of what Jesus Christ did that we can see through this Day of Atonement that the Jewish calendar had. All of this is pointing forward to Christ. And you just have to see why it's there. And it is for a very good reason, especially this one. Chapter 17 is in regard to laws concerning sacrificing, how they were to be sacrificed, where they were to be sacrificed, and what happens if any blood got in anything. But I want you to pay special notice to what he says about the blood itself. He says that the life of the flesh, in verse 11, is in the blood. And he says it again in verse 14. For as for the life of all flesh, its blood is identified with its life. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, You are not to eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood. Science would not have discovered this until much, much later. You're talking about 3,000 years after this, where we will figure out on our own that the life is in the blood. What was a popular medical treatment back in the old days was a method Called bloodletting. The ideology makes some sense, but what they were thinking at the time was that if you were poisoned or if you had some sort of illness, it's because your blood is tainted. There's something in your blood that is impure. And they did figure out early on that your body is capable of making blood. So they thought if you were to get the bad blood out of you, your body was able to make good blood since you flushed out all the nasty stuff. This was a common practice, and a lot of doctors did this in order to cure patients of their illnesses. However, it often killed more people than it actually helped. And there are several famous people, including our first president, George Washington, that died because of bloodletting. God said 3,000 years ago that the life is in the blood, and yet it took us so long. To figure it out on our own. And it's also the same thing when it comes to cleansing. You saw every time there's a discharge or blood got on somebody that they were to wash in running water. That was not a common practice. Nobody really thought in those days that there was a difference between standing water and flowing water. But God is making a distinction here that running water is healthier for you because it flushes away all the bad stuff. There's something to be said about that, and they wouldn't have understood what viruses and bacteria was back then. So, God made it in such a way where they could understand it by giving them laws and commands regarding how to wash themselves and how to take care of themselves. Then we come to chapter 18, which I'm not going to go into too much detail on, but it's obviously in regard to sexual relationships. Notice the pairings of certain groups. For example, if you look at verse 7, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, that is, the nakedness of your mother. It puts both the father and the mother into one category if the nakedness of the father is exposed. You see that also with other pairings. For the uncle, it is the aunt's nakedness. If it's the brother in law, it's your sister-in-law's nakedness. You see how it has those pairings, right? Remember what God said in the garden, a man shall leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So at that point on, once you are married and you are one flesh, the nakedness of one is the nakedness of the other. One brings shame to the other If it is violated. And so God puts that distinction in there intentionally. But not only that, but did you notice the change of tone in chapter 18? Especially at the very beginning of the chapter, you see a greater intensity, more strict of a tone, than you did in the other ones. Not like the other ones were less important, but God is taking extra care to enforce this command, because What the nations are doing around them is disgusting. It was mentioning earlier on that they were sacrificing to goat demons, which is something that Satanists still do today. Nothing has changed. It's the same thing with sexual perversion. It has been a problem from the very beginning. Some of the stuff we're seeing today with bestiality, homosexuality, multiple partners, casual sex... All that stuff is ungodly. It is of no value. It is worldly, and it is disgusting to God. You can see it for yourself right here, where all of it is. I don't need to go any further than that. This has always been a root problem in the fall of man. Ever since man fell from grace, this kind of perversion has been through all of human history. It's not like what we're seeing today is anything new. It is all the same stuff that's been going on for thousands of years. And God's stance on it has not changed, and it will never change. There will be no point in human history where God will say any of these perversions is okay. It will never be that way. And so, while people don't like to hear that, it is the absolute truth. God designed sexuality to be between a man and a woman for life in the bed of marriage. That's it. Anything other than that is an abomination to God. It's as simple as that. Not to mention the sacrificing of your offspring. How disgusting that is. You know what the equivalent of offering your children to Molech is? Abortion. It's the same thing. In fact, they are worshiping Moloch by murdering unborn children. And in this case, they had a super hot statue with these big burning hands. And it was a god named Moloch. And so when a newborn child was born, or a stillborn, they would throw that thing into the hands of that pagan god and burn it alive. How disgusting. And just even talking about it angers me. None of this is okay. And so we can justify all we want about pro-choice, or what if the woman was raped, or all these different things, and while some of those things are indeed tragic, I'm not taking away that, God's standard still stands. Life must be preserved. Life must have a chance. We do not decide who lives and who dies. God is responsible for that. Pregnancy happens because God wills it to be. We may not understand why, we may not agree with the methods in which it happened, but ultimately God is sovereign. We can't forget that very important fact. And if you are with child, take care of that child. That child is a gift from God, and we need to take care of our children. The next generation must be preserved. And they must be brought up in the knowledge and the fear of God, which is severely lacking today. God presents all of this to us, just like he says at the very end of the chapter. You are to keep my charge, you are to keep my commandments, that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you, so as to not defile yourselves with them. We are to be a holy people. God wants us to be holy, as he is holy. And all the world around us is doing all this disgusting stuff. We are not to take part of any of it. Ever. God has decreed it, therefore we must obey. Now moving on to a lighter topic, Psalm 27 is one of my favorite psalms in the entire Bible. I love this psalm, and I've taken the time to memorize it in the past. It is just so wonderful to consider all the things that God has done. This is a monumental psalm of praise. There are so many things that David is talking about here, and how he has confidence in the Lord, he's praying for victory, and God gives him the victory, he rejoices on waiting for the Lord. God is with us every step of the way. And there are some very memorable verses that can come out of this scripture. I highly recommend taking the time To dig deep into this psalm, there is such a wellspring of wisdom and joy that can be gained from it. But let's go ahead and go through our verse of the day. It will be Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. This is a valuable one to know. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. Another good one to accompany that would be verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let God do his wondrous work in the world and in you. Leave room for his mercy. Leave room for his grace. Leave room for his justice. And he will do much better than any of us could do. Now with that, that's a good place to stop for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.